welcome to the Confident Like a Mother podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Norwood, a wife, mom of two, a life coach, and a counselor. But above all these titles, I'm a human who is so passionate about helping other moms feel alive and confident. My mission with this podcast is to help you, the human, reconnect with yourself and your identity beyond being a mom. On this show, I'll share moments and stories and interviews and expert strategies to manage your mindset and take small action until you are living a life that you are so obsessed with. I feel that becoming a woman who is happy and peaceful and confident is the most inspiring thing we can do for ourselves. One of my favorite things to watch is other women win, including you. Welcome to the show. What's up, friend? And welcome back to a new week of Confident Like a Mother. This week is just going to be a quickie because the whole reason why I started the Confident Like a Mom podcast was to like take stories that I was doing on Instagram and really expand on them because I felt like I had a lot to say and this is going to be a great way for me to like get a whole story out in longer than just a minute. And then like, as I was thinking about it, I'm like, I've missed so many opportunities because I'm like, oh, I don't want to say that on my podcast. I'll share it on my stories or vice versa. And there's been a bunch of little things that have happened that I would love to share that like tell a story or that teach a lesson. And that's exactly what today's podcast is going to be about. And something really cool happened to me last night while I was at the park with my two daughters. And I'm going to share that story and the lesson that every single person can take from it. But first I want to share a little bit about like our brains, because I know that we've all had those days where we're just like, oh my gosh, I'm just way too stressed out. Or I don't have the energy or I'm just so tired. Or sometimes your thought even might be like, oh, what's the point of doing this? Like I've already fucked it up or, you know, I'll start on Monday. And we've, we've all felt like this and we've all probably had the questions inside of our brain. Like, why are we even bothering even like the most successful people? But I feel like there's something that separates people that are successful, people that are wildly happy and content with their lives than from the people that are just like average or from the people that are like really craving change and really craving and wanting more contentment. And that biggest difference is that the people that are content and the people that are super successful and do follow through with everything, they don't allow their brains to control them. I think that's the biggest difference between person A and person B. Person A being, you know, however you define success, them identify themselves as successful and content. And then the person B would be like uh, someone that feels stuck or is wanting change, but just doesn't know where to start. And with the person B, it's just that you're letting your mind off the hook, so to speak, or you're allowing, or you're so easy to just like accept an excuse as like fact rather than like really asking yourself if it's true or not. Or perhaps you're just like constantly fighting with your brain, whether to do something or to not do something. So if you're nodding along and you're someone who is having a really hard time getting your brain on the same team as you and getting your brain to be able to listen to what you really, really want, well... Today you're in luck because we're going to be talking about what to do when your brain just is not playing on the same team as you and a tiny little shift in your thinking that will allow you and your brain to sync back up for the greater good of everything you want in your life. So here's the story. 
my oldest daughter, Mia, who is five years old, has been really dying to master the monkey bars at the park. We go to the park pretty often, probably like a few times a week. And every time it's gone from like, you know, she's just doing like a bar hang and now she's really trying to move from the one to the two. And she's like really trying. She's been trying for a while. And suddenly on Friday, we were at the park and she was like, I really just want to do the monkey bars. And so she got the one to the two. And then she keeps falling. And a lot of what she's doing, it was a lot of like sitting in the indecision. So like sitting on the handlebars or hanging on the handlebars or the monkey bars rather. And then obviously her grip strength would get tired out because she's just like hanging there in indecision because this whole time she was being like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then she would fall. And for months, we would talk about mindset. And she knows a lot about mindsets because it's something that we talk about all the time, whether it's talking about how your day is going to be or something that you're really working on when it came to like dribbling a basketball, dribbling a soccer ball. And I always say to her in the simplest terms, whatever you believe to be true is true. And so she understands that concept. So if she thinks that she can do something, she does it. And if she thinks that she can't, then she's right. I'm always like, either way, you're right. And for whatever reason, with this concept of the monkey bars, like she just didn't believe in herself, even though every time I would remind her, like, remember, what does your brain say? Whatever you think you can is true. Whatever you think you can is true. And she would say it back to me. And so I'm like, I know that she knows this concept really well. And for whatever reason, she just couldn't wrap her brain around the fact that she could really do this or thinking that she could really do it. And even though she was saying, I got this, I believe that I can do it. There was something in her brain that was telling her that she was unsafe or that she just couldn't do it. And then she would always like lose her grip. On Friday at the park we were at, I happened to notice that there was like this parallel bar that ran along the length of the monkey bars. So if there was like nine monkey bars, there was this bar that ran like to the side of it. And I said, why don't you hop up here? And like, rather than going to the front, like in front of you, like right to left, right to left, right to left in front of you, she was going to go like to the side. So she was going to be hanging over and like going to the right. And she hopped up there and she like made it all the way across. Like she was going side to side, side to side, side to side. And I was like, oh my gosh, do you see how your brain just did that? You just tried it in a new way and you were able to do it. I was like, of course you could do it. And she was like, yeah, of course I could do that. I didn't know I could do that. So even though this whole time she was saying, I got this, I know I can do it. She really didn't believe that she could until she tried it a different way. And it tricked her brain into getting on the same page as her as to really wanting to do it. She hopped back on the monkey bars and I know that you can guess what happened. Of course you can guess what happened. She slammed through five of the monkey bars. She kept saying, I just wanna get four. Like she just wanted to get to the one, to the three, to the four. And she did, she got to the four and then she dropped. She allowed herself to drop. And she's like, I really wanna get to five. And I was like, do you think you can? She's like, yeah. Like she looked at me, she was so excited. Of course, she got back up on the monkey bars and she got to the fifth swing. She got to the fifth bar um, going the front way. And she was like reaching for the six and like that's when she fell. So like her brain, I think kind of like maxed out and she was like doing it for, I don't know, probably 20 minutes and her hands were freezing and like obviously her um, grip strength was like weakening. But it was just so interesting to see how that played out in my daughter. And I know that it's like something that we can all learn from this lesson. Even when we are telling ourselves that we believe that we can do something, like even if we're just using the words, but we really don't believe it in our brain, like with 100% certainty, we're not going to be able to do it. If something is really hindering us or if something is really holding us back, but we're saying, I know that I can do it, but deep, 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 deep down, 
you know that you can't, or there's still a really big fear there, then you're still not going to be able to do it. And something's still going to get in the way. And perhaps maybe what you need to do is to try something different. Try something different where you know you could be successful. Let me think of like a a parallel example with this. Um, Let's just say you are trying to, hmm, like get on a really consistent workout routine. Like, let's say that's a goal of yours. And for years, you've, you know, been able to maintain it for like a month max, couple weeks max, where like you're going to the gym three or four times a week or working out three or four times a week. And then it kind of fades away. And then you find yourself in like a five month slump where you haven't worked out. And you continuously tell yourself that like, whatever, there's something about me. I just can't get in a routine. I'm just not a workout person. I'm just not a gym person. Whatever story you begin to create about yourself, which then becomes a belief. But instead of doing what you always done, which is like, you know, start on a Monday or start with the the new month or whatever, What if like you just decided that you're not going to go to the gym, but you're going to give up your lunch or end your lunch 10 minutes early and you're going to go for a walk during your lunch, you know, four out of the five days that you're working. What if you just decided that and you tried something different and maybe for two weeks you're like, oh my God, I love that I'm doing this. You kept that promise to yourself. You continue to walk for four out of the five days and you feel really, really good about it. Then maybe you ask a friend to join you for a really fun class, or maybe you take up a dance class, or maybe you do an on-demand workout at your house. If you're avoiding doing the challenging thing, then the reward for doing the challenging thing will also avoid you, which means you'll never feel that excitement, which means you'll never feel that enjoyment or fulfillment from doing the hard thing if you're constantly avoiding doing the hard thing. I see two major things wrong with using like the end goal or your ideal goal as your only motivation. So for example, with like the monkey bars, at like Mia couldn't just visualize herself, you know, completing all 10 or all nine of the monkey bars. Like using that as only your motivation, I feel like there's a big problem with that only because there's like a huge disparity between what it feels like to fantasize what it feels like when you're at the very end and you complete your goal and you achieve, you know, the end of the nine monkey bars. There's a big disparity with how that feels versus, you know, getting up on the monkey bars, holding on, shifting your weight, using your strength. Like those are two completely different feelings. Of course, we can all visualize what the end goal feels like. It feels amazing. You feel elated. You feel so proud. But when you're actually like doing the work, it does not feel good. There's a huge disparity. So that's why I think there's a completely different sensation when you're like thinking about what the end goal is going to be like or what the ideal version of you would look like. Like thinking about that only as your motivation, I think it's a huge problem because there's such a wide gap, right? Between if we're expanding this example, like beyond the monkey bars, thinking about like you as the happiest, most alive version of yourself that is just like so obsessed with being a mom, so obsessed with your life. If that is what you want to be, thinking about that feels awesome and you're longing for that and it's great. But actually doing the work in between where you are right now and getting to that end goal, it's strenuous. It is a lot of reflection. It's like giving up things that, you know, might feel good in the moment and having a little bit of discipline, setting really healthy boundaries with yourself, with your family, with your friends. Like 
giving up on like the toxic people in your life and gossip and all the things that are like such low vibration that you've maybe been so used to doing for the last 20 years of your life. Like that, that's the hard part. That is where it gets really challenging. And that's where like a lot of people don't, or don't stick with it. And that's where a lot of women quit is because this part's the hard part. Like the messy middle is the hard part. And like I've always mentioned, like when transformation doesn't happen just like that with the blink of an eye, a lot of women are like, all right, yeah, this doesn't work for me, like onto the next, or I'm like reverting back to my old patterns, my old habits, or, you know, I don't even care to like look at what's happened in my past or explore my emotions or feel my feelings or have that hard conversation with a friend or with my husband. Like, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and ignoring it and and, like, whatever. Like, yeah, you could continue to keep doing what you're doing but you're never going to get to that end point that you're really visualizing or that you're really longing for yourself. Like you could stay right where you are right now and that could be great for you. And it's so awesome and it's not a problem to want more for yourself, to want that growth. The second problem that you face if you are only generating your motivation from like that ideal ending. And in this case, you know, it could be the monkey bars. It could be, you know, having that ideal body. It could be making more money. It could be feeling really happier. It could be feeling less stressed, whatever the end goal is for you. The other problem that I see with just using that is that it always is going to be a moving target. Like no matter what, no matter how much you visualize like the perfect version of yourself, you know, the most amount of money that you could make or the happiest relationship you could have or the way that you show up as a mother, like if that is your end goal, you're never going to feel like how you thought you would feel when you reach that goal if you're not creating that feeling right now, wherever you are. I'm going to say that again. Let's just say, you know, in a year from now, you're like, oh, I'm going to be making like a hundred thousand more dollars a year. And my marriage with my husband is going to be so much better. And I'm going to have my own business. And we're going to do finally do that remodel on our house. And I'm driving this car and I'm taking all these extravagant vacations. Like say that's your goal or that's like your ideal version of yourself. And you're imagining like when you get there to your goal, like you're going to feel happier. You're going to feel more alive. You're going to feel confident. You're going to feel successful you're never going to feel those feelings. You're never going to feel happy, confident, successful when you get there because you're not creating those feelings right where you are right now in the circumstance that you're in. In order to feel those feelings, no matter what, the confidence that you're seeking, the happiness that you want, the, the peace and the ease that you're longing for, you create that no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what it is, you create it for yourself right now. Um, so if you're again, using that ideal ending or that ideal goal to be your only motivation to find joy and to find confidence and to find pleasure or whatever the emotion that you're seeking, you're never going to get there. It's always going to be moving. It's no matter where you get, it's never going to be good enough. The trick is to find happiness in the place where you are right now, to find confidence in the place where you are right now in the process. Like that's it. That is the trick. That is the trick to life, creating that for yourself right now in the process of where you're going. And so you might be like, Caitlin, how do I do that? How can I learn to embrace and enjoy the whole entire process? How can I learn to embrace doing challenging things for myself for my future self? Well, 
it's a mindset shift, to be honest with you. And it's kind of a simple one. And I'm sure you probably hear about this kind of stuff all the time on Instagram. And maybe you don't know exactly what having a scarcity mindset is versus having an abundant mindset. And it's not just with money. I hear a lot of like scarcity and abundance talk around just money or, you know, material things, but having a scarcity mindset can leak into all areas of your life and having an abundant mindset could apply to all areas of your life. So for example, if you think that you need to, I don't know what example, like if things, if you need to get like a six pack or to get ripped at the gym, you're like, I want to be skinnier. Is this an abundance mindset or a scarcity mindset? The answer it's a scarcity mindset. And It's scarcity because you are going to get something if you're like, I need this or I need to have more of this, which implies that you already don't have whatever it is. You already don't have like a fit body or a skinny body or whatever. So you need to go out and get it because you don't have it right now. Our human brains have this really innate sense of wanting to stay intellectually consistent, which means like whatever you think your identity is you're going to operate accordingly. So if you are constantly telling yourself that you're just like too busy to do X, Y, or Z to feel better or to take care of yourself, that you're too busy of a mom, then what does a too busy of a mom do? Well, they stay too busy in order to take care of themselves. When you look at it this way, it's like making yourself a priority will always feel like it's right outside of your reach or right outside of something that you don't have time for. It's like a almost like your brain thinks it's unnatural for you to start taking care of yourself. Like, why would you take care of yourself if you didn't believe that you are, it was worth your time or your energy or your money? Here's what I want you to try instead. So here's the mindset swap. Try reminding yourself that you are a healthy person and that, and you believe as a healthy person that taking care of your health and your well-being is something that is just really valuable for you. And Since you're a healthy person, carving out 10 to 30 minutes each day is just something that you do. And this, by believing this, that you are a healthy person, this cuts down on any mental resistance that you had created around like being a busy mom that doesn't have enough time to take care of herself because she's taking care of everybody else. When you do this, what happens instead is that you start to build trust in yourself as the healthy person that there's no way that you're not going to do it. There's no way that you're not going to give yourself 10 to 30 minutes or maybe even more a day in order to prioritize something that is healthy and meaningful to you. Okay. And I have one more, like kind of more of a practical strategy that you can learn to embrace, like doing something really hard and challenging and making it part of your everyday routine, no matter what. And this practical strategy is something called habit stacking. And this is when you pair an already existing habit with something you know that you're used to doing And you're pairing that with something that you're trying to work on incorporating into your routine. Here's an example that has really changed my life. And the thing that I wanted to really focus on doing was meditation, a regular and daily meditation practice. I've always wanted it to be something that I did consistently, but up about until a year and a half ago, I was doing it... Consistently inconsistent, let's say. So that means I would do it for like a couple of weeks and then I'd slowly start to fall off and then I'd not do it for a couple of months and I'd be like, I need to get back to that and then I'd squeeze it in. So about a year and a half ago, I'd say like right around the time that I lost my mom, I really wanted to use meditation for my own grieving, for my own healing, because I could tell that I was like avoiding feeling the grief that I had after my mom's death. And I'd say that is when I started to want to be more serious about creating that as part of my daily routine. And the reason it was never consistent before is because I would like do it on a whim or do it when I had the extra time. Um, But then I started to stack it with 
my showers because a shower is something that I do daily and therefore right before I get into the shower, I meditate for 10 to 15 minutes. And most of the time I just use a guided meditation, whether it's on an app or YouTube, but sometimes I'll like sit in silence. And not only have I reaped the reward of what the meditation has done for me and my own healing journey and my ability to sit and be still and to process emotions on not only my mo- the loss of my mom, which was wildly painful and still really traumatic and very emotional for me, but I'm so proud of how set- successful like the habit stacking has been and how it's turned out for me in all other areas of my life whether that's like connecting more with my husband or being able to be more um, patient and grounded and present with my daughters and, you know, how I show up for myself at work, like the energy that I bring with me, like is all because I set myself up every single morning without question, like it's a non-negotiable for me, that I meditate, that I get my mind right, that I face anything that I need to face or like create... um, this ritual for myself that feels so fulfilling and breeds contentment and peacefulness that like I couldn't imagine my life any other way. And when I think back to like a year and a half ago, like I wasn't doing this consistently and I just feel more of like a whole person like that is like I'm looking around my closet right now. Like I'm so, I have so much gratitude for this ritual that I have created and I've did it solely with this habit stacking routine. So I invite you to think about what is something that you do every single day? It could be brushing your teeth. It could be driving in your car. could be coffee. I love coffee. Like what could you do with your morning coffee or your afternoon coffee that is something, an activity that is for your greater good, for your wellness, for your well-being, for your mental space? How could you attach those two things to like work out in your benefit? So if something has been like looming in your background or if there is a habit that you really want to get into, but you haven't been able to sustain it in a major way or in a meaningful way, or you've been really inconsistent or indecisive about starting, then when you're indecisive, you're basically declining an opportunity that comes your way. Staying stuck where you are right now or being stuck in like indecision is really coming from a place of fear. It's really coming from that scarcity mindset that you're probably thinking you might make the wrong decision. And most people who are indecisive or they're not able to make a decision and commit to something, you're afraid of being wrong or you're afraid of like doing it wrong. And then, or if you fail, and then you're attaching meaning to all of those things. You're making it mean something about you if you're making a wrong decision or if you do it wrong or if you fail and you don't follow through. What do you make it mean about you? In fact, I would argue that the consequence of not taking action or not making a decision, not doing that hard thing, are far more costly than making the choice and then like failing and or and or making a mistake. Not choosing to go for something that you really want means that you're accepting right where you are. You're accepting your current circumstances and allowing them to just continue on as they are. So if you are unhappy with how your life is currently going, realize that by doing nothing, nothing's going to get better. Nothing is going to get solved. And most importantly, nothing in your life is going to change. And... If you learn how to trick your brain to try something different, to believe something different, to gather evidence that you can, in fact, do the hard thing, then this goes way beyond just motivation. Being able to see different perspectives and turn losses into wins is another way for you to take control of your life right now. Okay, let's bring this thing back full circle. The example that I used about my daughter Mia and getting stuck 
using the monkey bars for the last couple months, she was stuck in indecision. She did not think that she was able to go from one to two to three and beyond. She was getting from like one to two and then getting stuck, believing in her brain that she was not capable of doing something challenging, that she could not physically do it until she tried it a different way and she did it with ease. So know that your brain is always going to resist when you try to grow, when you try to do something different. This only happens because your brain doesn't know what's gonna happen yet, doesn't know what's gonna happen next. It doesn't know what the results are gonna be from trying that new action. So it's always going to activate a fear within you or a worry that you are gonna get hurt or you're you're not gonna get what you're actually going after. And this is when all like the what ifs come up into question. Like, what if I fail? What if I don't get the promotion? What if I put myself out there and he doesn't like me back? Or what if I try to have this conversation with my husband and he doesn't take it the right way? Or what if I try to do this with my kids and then they flip out in public? Or what if? These questions are all like really valid for us to have in our minds, but they are also the thing that are gonna keep you stuck right where you are. So the next time that you're going after something big and you know that it's going to be really, really hard to take that next step, remind yourself that the universe always has your back, that you are going to have to go through this uncomfortable and really hard and challenging thing and knowing that the payoff is going to be so freaking worth it. So shout out to my five-year-old daughter, Mia, for allowing not only me, but every single one of you listeners to connect and relate to this really cool example that played out in real life. And I know that I always say this, but my kids, my daughters are my biggest teachers. And for this reason, I get to share this experience or this lesson with all the podcast listeners. So thank you so much for tuning in this week because today's episode was really, really special to be able to share this great lived experience with every single one of you. And I hope that this episode inspires you to continue living confident like a mother. Well, that is it for this week's episode of Confident Like a Mother. I hope that you're obsessed with this episode. And if you know my daughter Mia in real life, you know how special this episode is. Please, if you loved it as much as me, I would love it if you would share it on your socials and or with a mom friend or consider leaving a rating review for this episode on Apple iTunes because it truly does make a difference with the amount of moms that we were able to reach each week with this podcast. As always, I will see you next week or over on Instagram. 